Last week, we talked about grace, about God's undeserved love. And specifically, we talked about that undeserved aspect, about what Paul says in Romans chapter 3, that there's no difference, for all have sinned. And so when God looks at you and me, he doesn't find any reason in us that he should love us. In fact, just the opposite. He finds out that we're sinners and he should hate us. But in his grace, solely for the fact that God loves, he loves us. So much that Paul doesn't stop there, but he goes on and says, and all are justified, all are forgiven freely by his grace. And nowhere in all of the wide earth is that grace more on display than when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, and died for the sins of the world. But that leads to a question. If Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, then how do I receive the benefits of that? How does forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name become forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name for me? How does the righteousness that Jesus won for us become my righteousness? You know the answer, don't you? It's right there in Romans chapter 3. This righteousness from God comes through faith. Faith alone. Faith plus nothing. And if that's the case, then we better know what faith is, right? You hear it a lot. You're going through a rough stretch and somebody says, oh, you just got to have faith. As though faith were a leap in the dark. As if it were blind trust. But there's a problem with that because faith is only as good as its object. If its object has a torn hamstring, it's not going to be very good, is it? And so having that kind of blind trust is really having faith in faith which really amounts to nothing at all. So you have to have an object. And you hear this too, right? I have faith that next year the Maple Leafs will make the playoffs. (laughs) In that case, faith is like a hope or a wish, a wish against all odds if you're talking about the Maple Leafs. So that's not going to do either, is it? Faith isn't... I'm going to heaven, I hope. Because there's not a whole lot of comfort there, is it? Is there? So try this. Faith is the hand that receives the blessings. As though God has all of his grace wrapped up in gifts to give to us. And now he's going to distribute them. And the hand that receives that gift from God is faith. The righteousness that comes from God comes through faith. Through faith alone. Okay, and we can break it down even more than that. We can think of faith in terms of three aspects, three different parts of faith. There has to be knowledge. You have to know what you believe in. You're not going to receive the promises of God if you don't know what those promises are. And you do. You know that. You know all about what Jesus of Nazareth did for you. 
that he was born a man, that he lived a perfect life, that he died for your sins, that he rose again from the dead to assure you that you too will rise. You have that knowledge. But faith isn't just knowledge. It's not just an intellectual exercise. So there's more than that. There's knowledge, then there's assent. That's agreeing with the promises. That's believing the promises. That's saying, yes, Jesus died for my sins. I believe that. So there's knowledge and assent, and then there's confidence. It's not, I'm going to heaven, I hope. It is, yes and amen to every promise that God has made. Yes, the righteousness that comes from God is mine. Is mine through faith. Just like Paul says in Romans chapter 3. Through faith alone, that righteousness from God, Jesus' perfect life becomes my righteousness. Because you see, God didn't see us as righteous, did he? Because we were born into this world not righteous, but sinful. Because we go through this life and we don't live righteous lives, we lead sinful lives. And so that righteousness that comes, that we receive from God, comes through faith. Through faith alone. Through faith plus nothing. And that alone part is really the beating heart of everything that the scriptures teach us about salvation. That it is faith alone plus nothing. This is what our salvation hangs on. This is what's so vitally important to understand because so many people, sadly, don't understand it. If you look out at all of the other religions in the world, what do you find but a list of things to do to please God, right? Whether that is fasting and following the rules or looking in your, at yourself or whatever it is, it's something that I have to do to make myself right with God. And even more sad than that is the fact that other Christians add to it and they make it faith plus. Faith plus my works. Faith plus what I do. And even worse than that is that you and I are constantly under attack by our own sinful nature that always wants to find a way to make itself right with God. And it works out like this. When I do something bad, what's the first thing that comes to mind? But, man, I screwed up. I've got to do something to make up for that. So I'll be extra good today. So I'll read my Bible extra. So I'll pray more. So I'll be nice to other people. It's faith plus. And it works the opposite way too. If I do something really rotten and I feel rotten about it, then this thought comes into my mind. How could God love me after I've done this? But that thought betrays faith plus, doesn't it? Because it's really what you're saying is that before I did this rotten thing, God would have had more of a reason to love me than now after I've done this rotten thing. It's faith plus. And even, even faith itself is not my work. Even faith itself is not something that I do. In fact, you could picture it this way. If faith is the hand that receives the blessings, then God is the one that stretches that hand out. You see, the problem is, if I have to make a decision to believe in Jesus, 
If I have to accept him into my heart, then what kind of assurance do I have? Because very quickly, my attention will turn away from Jesus Christ and the cross to what I did. And I will ask myself, was I sincere? Did I really make that decision? And I'll lose all of my assurance. Because now it's not faith alone, it's faith plus. Faith plus my decision. But that's not what the scriptures teach. They teach that we are born dead in our sins and it is God who makes us alive. They teach that we are saved by grace and not from ourselves. Faith is given to us as a gift. It's a gift of God. It's God stretching out our hands, giving us the faith that believes the promises. Because Jesus isn't just 50% your Savior. Jesus isn't just 75% or even 99.99% repeating your Savior. He's 100% your Savior. So that that alone, that faith alone, means that God has done everything. Means that we don't have any doubts at all. Because it's not up to us. Because it's not up to me to save myself. Because I don't matter in the least. The one who matters is Jesus Christ. It's faith alone. You can see how this plays out in the, the story of the Canaanite woman from Syria, Phoenicia, right? You remember that story? Jesus takes a foreign vacation. He heads up to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which would be present-day Lebanon. And he's headed for the resort but the paparazzi find out. And so, as soon as word gets out that he's there, this woman comes to Jesus with a sad problem. Her little daughter is possessed by demons. How ordinary. It happened a thousand times. Somebody comes to Jesus with a problem, Jesus takes care of the problem, they go on their way, right? How ordinary. But not this time. And in fact, you would think that Jesus would have helped this lady. Listen to the way she asks. She says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She says, son of David. She's got knowledge, right? She knows that Jesus is the son of David. That is to say that he is the Savior, the Messiah. So she's got knowledge. She's got assent. She agrees. She believes that Jesus is the Savior who can help her. And confidence? Well, Look at the way the confidence plays out. Because Jesus gives her the cold shoulder. He gives her the stone face that you put on when you walk past the beggars in downtown Toronto. As if they don't even exist. As if they're just completely off your radar. Jesus just ignores her. But the disciples don't. Come on, Jesus. She's ruining our nice and peaceful and quiet day. Come on, Jesus, we're in a foreign country. Let's not get our visa revoked here. Take care of this woman. Okay, you want an answer, disciples? How about this? I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And by the way, the way I picture that, Jesus said that loud enough for that woman to hear too. For that woman to hear the clear, get lost. What's Jesus doing? That doesn't seem like the Jesus that we know. 
And so the woman comes forward. She's not going to take no for an answer. Now she gets down on her knees right in front of Jesus where he can't ignore her anymore. And she says, Lord, help me. And what does Jesus say? It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. In other words, you're a dog. And I am not going to rob the Jewish people of their meal just to feed you. What is Jesus doing? It's not an insult for insult's sake. Jesus is not intentionally being mean to this woman. But you know what he's doing? He's testing her faith. He's giving her faith an opportunity to shine forth, to teach maybe even the disciples a lesson about what faith is. And does that faith ever shine forth? Yes, Lord, she says, but even the dogs get the crumbs. What an answer. What an answer. What faith. That is faith. This woman, she knows that what Jesus said was true, that Jesus came to be the Savior of all, but first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. And she accepts that. She believes that that is God's plan. And it's okay with her. She's confident that Jesus is still her Savior, that she still can receive the crumbs that fall from the table. And the fact that Jesus calls her a dog, well, it doesn't matter because it's not about her at all, is it? She doesn't matter in the least. It's him. He's the one who matters. And so her faith is focused on him. Her faith alone is in Christ alone. And that faith alone in Christ alone doesn't leave her alone either, does it? Jesus says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. So that faith, now that hand, receives the blessings. And not just the blessings of the demon being driven out of her daughter, but all of the blessings, all of the crumbs that fall from God's table, the crumbs of his grace, the forgiveness of sins, the trust, the knowledge that heaven is hers, that salvation, that life forever with Jesus is what he came to give her. That can teach us a lesson about faith, can't it? For those times when there's problems in our life and it seems like God is giving us the silent treatment. Could it be that God is giving us tests? Could it be that God is giving you an opportunity for your faith to shine forth? For your faith to stand up and say, it doesn't matter what happens to me here. It doesn't matter who I am, what my situation in life is. What's the worst that can happen? That they take my life? What's the worst that can happen? That I lose it all? What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't matter what happens to me. What matters is Him. What matters is that Jesus Christ loved me and forgave me and will take me to be with Him forever. And so I'm content just to receive the crumbs that fall from his table, just the crumbs of his grace. That's all I need. Just the crumbs of his grace that fall from the table this morning. His true body and his true blood given for the forgiveness of your sins. If those are the crumbs, what will the meal be like? 
just the crumbs that fall from the table. The righteousness that comes from God. Jesus' perfect life, so that when I stand before the throne of God, I will be wearing Jesus' perfection. That's enough for me. It's enough for me to be clothed in Jesus' righteousness. In the righteousness that comes through faith alone. Amen.